Would you open God's precious holy word to Deuteronomy chapter 2? We continue in our study here. It is Moses continuing to give a recount of all that has happened. He's talking to the new generation, but he's telling them about the adventures and even the failures of their fathers, the other, the earlier generation. The generation to whom he is speaking is about to go across the Jordan River. They have completed their 40 years in the wilderness. But they have to be taught about the failures of the previous generation. Moses knows that they don't want to repeat the same thing that their fathers had suffered through. A new generation, a new nation, they're the ones who will conquer the land. They are the ones who will displace the Canaanites and uh, they will move under the leadership of Joshua. Moses cannot go. God has brought a judgment against Moses because of his disobedience in the matter of striking the rock. And so Moses can go to the top of a mountain and look over and see it, but he can't go over into it. This is his last thing to do then as the venerable leader of the Israelites, and he has brought them this far. He can't take them any farther. So he continues in recounting about how the earlier generation had wandered and even had failed and how God had taken care of them even in a time of discipline. So we continue in that same uh, study with Moses' speech to them in Deuteronomy chapter 2. And Moses now focuses on the provision that God made for them in the wilderness. Discipline is a wilderness learning experience. So he, he portrays the discipline to this younger generation as a learning experience. And of course, by doing so, by default, is admonishing them not to repeat uh, the same sins and problems. So we go in verse 1. Then we turned, he's talking to the people. Then we turned and journeyed into the desert by way of the Red Sea as Yahweh had spoken to me. And we circled Mount Seir for many days. Well, actually, it was 38 years. Those many days were 38 years. Moses is kind of an optimist, I guess. We were just there for some days, 38 years. Yahweh spoke to me saying, you have circled this mountain long enough. Turn northward. Again, a glimpse into the sovereign leadership, guidance, knowledge, power of God. He calls them to start their wandering. In his judgment, he told them that all of those people from a certain age and upward would die, except for Joshua and Caleb. And it would take as long as it would take. Of course, the Lord knew that it would take those completely those 40 years. This time had come to a conclusion. 
So it's time to go to the next thing. This is God leading his people. Time is meaningless to God. God works in our lives and he works in this world to his glory. At the end of everything, God will receive all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the power. All of the struggles that his people have, have gone through, we will be made to see and understand and possibly even in our lives already can see and understand through some of the struggles we've had that it is all to the glory of God. That's the only thing we're made for anyway. We're not made for our own glory. We're not made for the glory of humankind. We are made for the glory of God. So here, Yahweh spoke to me saying, you have circled this mountain long enough. Turn northward. I mean, they literally went in circles for those 38 years. At, at no point in time were they but just a few days from the land of Canaan. And for all of those years, they were restrained from going because of their sin and their unbelief, because they had rejected uh, the word of God and the promise of God. So the example is made of this generation to the younger generation, the generation who is about to go and occupy, take the land for the nation of Israel. This example is made to them. And so Moses, of course, continues to make the various points that these people should be reminded of. And now it is Yahweh who says, it's been long enough. This new generation can't go anywhere until Yahweh says so. None of us can really. They can't stop the wandering. They can't win a war. They can't do anything unless it is in the will of Yahweh. So Yahweh says you circle this mountain long enough turn northward. It is time now for these people to begin to make their way into the land of Canaan. The next lesson they need to learn is one that the previous generation learned woefully. Don't attack hostile people without God's orders. Now this was a fighting force. This, this moving nation of Israel, upward of 3 million people, had over 600,000 warriors and they were they were well armed they were well trained Moses himself had been a had been the highest rank according to secular history had been the highest ranking uh, commander in the Egyptian army under Pharaoh so he he knew about leading large forces into battle uh, he understood the importance of of logistics and and uh, skirmishes and, and, and positioning and so forth. So these people were confident. They had already, this generation before, had won battles. They were, they were ready to go. But sometimes on a, an occasion or two, they moved without the approval of Yahweh. Well, that's never a good idea. So the lesson comes again to this particular generation don't attack hostile people without orders from God. Continue in verse four. And command the people saying, you are about to pass through the boundary of your brothers, the sons of Esau, who dwell in Seir, and they'll be afraid of you, so be very careful. Now let's talk about this for just a second. 
Notice the mild approach that Moses takes. I mean, the, the, you know, the sons of Esau, the Edomites and the Israelites, they were just mortal enemies all the way through. The sons of Esau wanted to literally destroy the sons of Israel, Jacob, the twin brothers, the descendants of one twin brother just wanted to destroy the others, although they're the ones who carried uh, the promise and the covenant from Yahweh. Therefore, Israel knows that uh, they are an enemy. Now think about this though. This is the hand of God leading, and this is a microcosm. This is something of a, of a small lesson that is applicable even all the way through history to this very day. What's going on in the Middle East? Whatever God says, that's what's going on in the Middle East. How's it going to end? It will end according to the purpose and will of God. That's how it's going to end. And at the end of the whole thing, and I personally, I think we're about to see maybe some major uh, biblical prophecy uh, come to pass. I hope and pray we do. I'm, I'm biased about it. I mean, I can't force the issue, obviously, but, but I'm looking for certain things to happen in this war. Uh, and the situation of the Middle East has never been like it is now so that a couple of those particular prophecies could come true. So I watch for these things. But however it works out, it's going to work out according to the will, the purpose, and the word of God to the glory of God. That's where it's all headed. So it's the same thing here. Now in a microcosm, here, here are the Edomites, the sons of Esau, and here are the Israelites, and the Israelites are prepared for war. In Numbers chapter 20, they asked for the help of Esau, that they might pass through. And, and Esau, no. Esau said, no, I'm not going to let you do it. Well, that irritated the Israelites, but God said, no, I don't want you to attack them. It is not my will for you to go to war. We're going to talk about that as we go through this. We'll understand this maybe a little bit more. So he, call, he calls them Moses and now says, they're your brothers uh, at the command. You, this is back. He's thinking back when all this happened. The sons of Esau, they dwell in Seir. They're going to be afraid of you. Be very careful. Now this Hebrew word uh, over here, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word it's, it's a Hebrew word that means pay attention to this. Pay attention to how this works out. Here's what God is saying. Well, let's continue on, then I'll, we'll, we'll fall back on this. You shall not provoke them, for I will not give you any of their land. Not so much as a footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau for an inheritance. Now, what is their purpose in being at that place at that time? Go all the way back to the time of Abraham. Abraham has a household. It's a pretty extensive household. He's old. And he's, he's a sojourner. He's traveling. He's, he's a Bedouin type. They set up tents and they move and he has vast... Uh, a vast household. He has a lot of, uh, of uh, animals, servants. God then calls him out of Ur, takes him, says, I'm going to show you land, continues to take him. 
and then promises that the whole world, the families of the world are going to be blessed through Abraham. And then he says, now I want you to look as far as you can. Look in that direction, as far as you can. Look in this direction, that direction, the other direction. Look in all directions. Everything that you look at and wherever you may walk, I'm giving it to you and to your descendants. Now this is a, uh, this is an unconditional promise from God. The land is theirs. The condition comes in, and we'll see that later on in our study in Deuteronomy. The condition comes in when God says, as long as you're loyal to me and don't worship other gods, you will be secure in the land and the land will produce for you. And you'll be the head, you won't be the tail. When the time comes and you worship other gods, you'll become the tail and not the head. And I will even send you out from this land, but I'll bring you back because it's your land. Okay, now with that in mind, God has given Canaan, which is described here in the Bible as the choicest land of the world. God has given land and he has even established the boundaries through the generations of that covenant. He has he has described the boundaries that would belong to the descendants of Abraham, then through Abraham's son, Isaac, and then through his son, Jacob, Israel. So this is the boundary of the land of the Israelites. God gave them the deed. So it's their land to be given to them and for them to occupy in God's time. According to what, Now they can't occupy the land until they're a great nation. You can't have just a few clans go in there and you have these thousands of square miles and then, you know, a few hundred people. It has to be a big nation of people and that's how it works itself out. Even when they were in Egyptian slavery, they were growing into a nation of nearly three million people. So God has given them that particular land and no other land. No other land is theirs. As a matter of fact, the marvel of the history of the Israelites is simply this. They are content with the land that God has given them, but they're not colonizers. They have not sought to colonize other land. That's not what they do. Now they fight people who try to take away their land and in the fighting and in the winning of the victory, they may occupy another land that is not their land. They don't intend to stay there. It's not their intent to colonize the world. It's not, it's not who they are. They've never been that way. They're not that way today. So this land, God says to the Israelites, is not yours. I'm not even going to give you a footstep because this belongs to Esau for an inheritance. Now Esau has mistreated Israel. In Numbers 20, they wouldn't let them, they didn't cut them a break. They didn't let them pass through as a shortcut to where they were going. No, you can't do it. Don't want you around us. And then to reinforce their threat and intimidation, they brought in their army. The Edomites did, the Esau, the sons of Esau. They brought in their army. We're gonna fight you if you try to take the shortcut. So God said, no, we're not gonna fight them. Said, he said through Moses, not going to fight him. This is not the design because this is not your land. There's no sense in us doing this. We'll circle around. Back in Numbers, book of Numbers, you might remember that. So what is their use? 
Remember, nearly three million people traveling through the wilderness, going to the land of Canaan, have, a, have a, an issue that needs to be addressed, namely logistics. How are we going to have a supply line? How are we going to feed our old people, our kids? What are we going to do when we, when we, need, uh, when we need material to repair our tents or whatever, to buy water, food? Here it is. This is why, and this is in the wisdom of God, and this is why we accept the way of God. It would seem to the Israelites, hey, right now we're stronger than they are and we're of a mind to fight. Let's just go in and take care of these guys. God says, no, I got another purpose for them. This is not my purpose for them, for you to go in and take their land and to wipe them out right now. I still have a use for them. Part of that use is here in verse six. You shall buy food from them with money that you may eat and also water. You shall buy from them with money that you may drink. They are part of God's solution regarding the logistics of such a long and arduous trip through the wilderness. God's already in tomorrow while we're still walking through today. He already has it taken care of. If we will go in the direction he's telling us to go, everything's going to be all right. So here it is. Even though these people had been very unfriendly, even threatening to Israel, God through Moses says, it is not your design, it is not my will for you to do anything to provoke these people or go to war with them. This is not it. This is not the way that is your way. I'm working with them and I've given them this land. And the reason, I, if you look at verse six, the reason I've given them this land is so that they could be where they are doing what they do so that when you come through at this point in time, they are available to sell you the goods and services that you need so that you can continue in your trek and in your existence. They are under the discipline of God for those years, 40 years of wandering. But even so, even so they're under the discipline of God God cares for his people. Look at this. For Yahweh your God has blessed you in all of the work of your hand. He knows. That's all, that's all I need right there in that verse. He knows. That's all I need. He knows of your walking through this great desert. These 40 years that Yahweh your God has been with you, you have lacked nothing. Now they have murmured and fussed and spit and probably cussed and carried on in all kinds of ways. But they had to go where God told them. It was this pillar of fire. You know, you're not, you're not going to fight a pillar of fire. God was leading them. God was guiding them. God was directing them. It was God's will. It was God's de desire, not desire, discipline. Uh, it was God's purpose. It was God's direction. And they're his people. Therefore, God assumes all the responsibility of taking care of them. That's the beautiful thing of this covenant that God had established with Israel. It's the beautiful thing of how Christ died on the cross and said, it is finished. I can't add anything to what Christ did for me. He did it all. He, the, the Bible teaches us in the New Testament, especially the book of Hebrews, that Christ is our Sabbath. 
We rest on Christ. He does all the work. We just trust him. He's taking care of his own. So it was here in the wilderness. He knows of your walking through this great desert. He knows about these 40 years. Your God has been with you every step of the way. And you haven't lacked a thing. You have clothing, you have food, you have shoes, you have shelter, you have organization, you have protection from your enemies. You can take a drink when you're thirsty. You can get a bite to eat when you're hungry. All of these are provisions of God. You've lacked nothing. Even though you're under discipline, you've lacked nothing. The purpose, the power, the will of God. Next lesson for this new generation. Don't begrudge those who oppose you. Let's look at it. We departed from our brothers, the sons of Esau. That is such a mild and sweet way to talk about these Edomites who cursed the very ground that the Israelites walked on. We departed from our brothers, the sons of Esau, who dwelt in Seir by way of the plain from Elat to Etzion, Geber. And we turned and passed through the way of the desert of Moab. No hard feelings. We're headed to Canaan. God is telling us to go this way. You do your thing. You did what God had put you there to do for us. We're going to keep going. No hard feelings. We turned and passed through the way of the desert of Moab. It is because God is caring for them, even though they're under discipline. Next thing that he would say to them is this. This younger generation, remember what your fathers have gone through even in their rebellion, yet still the blessing and love of God and the covenant of God for them and for you. Remember that God is in charge of all human affairs. He directs history. You're not gonna get away from that. Here's what he says. Yahweh said to me, this is Moses still talking to the younger generation. Yahweh said to me, do not distress the Moabites. Do not provoke them to war. For I, that's all I need to hear or see. Because I, I don't need anything. Okay, that's enough for me. I don't need anything else. For I will not give you any of their land as an inheritance. Because I have given honor to the children of Lot as an inheritance. The Amim dwelt there formerly, a great and numerous people and tall in stature as the Anakim. Now you see, Yahweh says through Moses, in all of these generations of time, I've been directing who lives where and who's in charge and who's doing what. That's what he's saying. For the present time, the Moabites are here and I have given to them Ar, that is to the children of Lot. This is their inheritance. Now there were other people here. They're not there anymore because I gave it to Moab. There's nothing that Moab can brag about, the children of Lot, sons of Lot, nothing that they can really brag about. 
Really, all of the bragging needs to be on God. God did this for us. God, some people were here, but God saw fit to judge them and root them out, and then he gave to us this particular place. And the Horites formerly dwelt in Seir, and the sons of Esau were driving them out, (laughs) and they exterminated them from before them. And dwelt in their stead, just as the Israelites did to the land of their inheritance, which Yahweh gave them. Okay, so here's the comparison. Look, God says to them, this younger generation, I'm giving you Canaan. Nothing can compare to the beauty, the glory, the abundance, the the productiveness. Nothing can compare to Canaan. It is the plushest and greatest place in the world. And I have had people there for generations to prepare the land for you. You're not going to have to cut down trees and you're not going to have to plow. It's already done for you. I'm just going to, I'm going to judge them in their, their grievous sin of the worship of the gods of Canaan. And in that judgment, I'm going to bring you and use you as an instrument to displace them. But I'm bringing you to the very land that I gave to you through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's how God works. He's just always doing it. It's his will. And he says, I gave this land to them just like I've given you your land. Yahweh is in charge of all of that. Now we're going we're gonna to jump from here over to verse 16, verses 16 through 23 to follow up on that particular thought. So it was when all the men of war finished dying from among the people that Yahweh spoke to me saying, today... You are crossing the boundary of Moab at Ar. This is by the direction of Yahweh. And when you approach opposite sons of Ammon, neither distress them nor provoke them, for I will not give you of the land of the sons of Ammon as an inheritance, because I've given it to the sons of Lot as an inheritance. (laughs) Now remember, the sons of Lot were Moab and, and Ammon. Okay, so this is what God is saying. Moab, Ammon. It too is considered a land of Raphaim. Raphaim dwelt there formerly and the Ammonites called them Zamzumim. A great numerous and tall people as the Anachim. But Yahweh exterminated them before them. And they drove them out and dwelt in their stead. Yahweh did this for them. And he did to the sons of Esau who dwell in Seir, when, as he did to the sons of Esau who dwell in Seir, when he exterminated the Horites from before them. And they drove them out and dwelt in their stead even to this day. But to the Avim who dwell in the open cities up to Gaza, we've heard of that place, the Kaftrites who came forth from Kaftor exterminated them and dwelt in their stead. And here's this, here's this lesson of the providential design of God. God is in charge. God moves these nations around. He raises up whom he would. He puts down whom he would in the process. He is punishing for sin and displacing people, bringing another people in, in their place. And all of those nations who they don't realize this, but all of those nations are being juggled about to the glory of God and especially so that they can be a blessing to Israel when the blessing is required. This is how God is working. This is what Moses is teaching this new generation. So now we go back up from here uh, to the final part we're going to look at. 
telling the people that they should always remember that there was a time when God was against even his people, that is their forefathers. Now get up and cross the brook of Zered. So we crossed the brook of Zered. And the days when we went from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the brook of Zered numbered 38 years until all the generation of the men of war expired from the midst of the camp, just as Yahweh swore to them. Not until the last one of those men of war died could this new generation cross over into the land of Canaan. But now the word of God is fulfilled. Also the hand of Yahweh was upon them to destroy them from the midst of the camp until they were consumed. So it was when all the men of war finished dying from among the people that Yahweh spoke to me saying, today you are crossing the boundary of Moab at Ar." Think about that. Yahweh knew exactly when the last one of that number of the previous generation died. He knew exactly. Christ talks about the collapse of the world system. He talks about Jerusalem being trodden underfoot of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. There's coming a day, probably not very far away in my view, that uh, the Son of God will rule and reign gloriously from Jerusalem. And the mistreatment of Jerusalem on behalf of the Gentiles will come to an end according to the word of God. So it was then. He knew exactly. God knows when the fulfillment of Gentiles comes, probably very soon. He knew when the last one of their number in that generation died. And it was just then that he ordered their crossing through Moses. We're going to stop there and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your providential hand, for your divine design, for your eternal care, for your own. Father, we're humbled and grateful. Teach us, O oh Lord, these things in our lives today as well as we trust more and more in you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.